Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about the Mi'kmaq people and the Halibu First Nation. I'm Glenn Wheeler. It's been another eventful week for Mi'kmaq people from Newfoundland. There's been good news and bad news. The Maklepsik Mi'kmaq Band issued a formal assertion of Aboriginal title over the Great Northern Peninsula. The band says it must be consulted on resource permits and development, and that Canada must enter into a modern-day treaty with it. We contacted Chief Mildred Lavers, but she declined to be interviewed. We'll be looking into the story on upcoming episodes. Meanwhile, in Toronto, we had the Jerry Brake case in the Federal Court of Canada, another bid to quash the supplemental agreement. Supporters left the day-and-a-half hearing feeling somewhat optimistic. We'll hear from Jerry's lawyer later in the show. But on to the bad news. The Halibu First Nation and its partners Mialbogeg and the Inu Nation have lost their bid for 25% of the surf clam quota. This was always about more than surf clams. Unlike Mi'kmaq bands in Nova Scotia, First Nations in Newfoundland and Labrador have yet to establish political structures to advance their collective interests. The pursuit of the surf clam quota brought together not only the Halibu and the Khan River Mi'kmaq, but also the Inu Nation, and that was a first. But Mi'kmaq bands in Nova Scotia and New Brunswick appear to have been much better organized on the lobbying front. Applicants were required to submit a complete and well-thought-out package, but the eventual winner, the Five Nations Clamp Company, did not even have a partner from Newfoundland and Labrador before they were awarded the quota. To top it off, the winner includes the Elsa Boktok First Nation, located in the riding of Fisheries Minister Dominic LeBlanc. The situation has sparked a backlash throughout the region, especially in Newfoundland, where the dispute has divided the federal liberals from their provincial cousins. Premier Dwight Ball and Fisheries Minister Jerry Byrne have condemned the deal. I talked to Miaobagag Chief Mazel Joe, who says he was prepared to lose in a fair process, but not in a flawed one. He says there needs to be a redo. We all, we all thought we had the best proposal possible going forward, but that, that's not the issue. The issue at this stage is the process in which this was done. It's a flawed process. And uh, our only hope is that the minister uh, will take the, another look at this and do it properly. So what, presumably uh, uh, Dominic LeBlanc didn't want to have this political mess on his hands. He has enough other stuff to worry about. So what do you think uh, happened here? Did the, the bureaucrats handling the process screw up? Or what? how do you explain this? Uh, the situation? Bad advice, bad advice uh, or you had a half day. Who knows what? Uh, the thinking was behind this, uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm hoping that he's, he's had a sober second thought and looking at what what he's done under the TRC. He hasn't he hasn't brought people together, keep breaking them apart. He's trying to fighting among each other over over surplants, which is never what the the TRC was intended to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Premier. Uh... Premier Dwight Ball, and I think Jerry Byrne also says this, that the Five Nations group didn't have an Indigenous partner in Newfoundland before they got the quota. That's what I'm hearing, too, is that it was given to uh, Elsie Book to New Brunswick, 
uh, only, and with the intention that he would, after he got the surf plan, that he would reach out and find uh, five or four partners uh, to go with him into this company. That's not the way it came down in the beginning. Mm. We were supposed to have a well-taught-out plan, uh, how you're going to fish, how you're going to process, uh, in terms of the boats, the plant, the whole works, and it would be totally owned by the First Nations, not by uh, non-Aboriginal companies. So, but who who was left in uh, in Newfoundland? Uh, uh, Mail Begag and Halibut were in on on your uh, application. And, and, and Inu and the Inu and, and the Inu, yes, the Inu First Nation. And then in yep. another group, we had the the Métis. So there's no one there's no one left who wasn't part of uh, a previous application. No, well, no, no, but was not part of our application anyway. I think they had one on their own. They had one on their own. That's right. But they're they're already otherwise engaged. So I guess they'll have to try and find someone who is part of another a previous application. I'm not sure. How are you going to uh, work all of that? Um, you know, my talk would be is that we would stand in unity, Harry Newfoundland, uh, and say, listen, it's a flawed process, uh, and, and make sure that the ministry go back and uh, take another sober look at this. When you and Halibu and the Inu Nation put in your application, there was some negative feedback from, um, from the South Coast, from Grand Bank, Talking about the loss of jobs, you know, Clearwater have been there for years. Are you concerned that uh, this is going to add to that, uh, to possible resentment towards uh, the idea of Indigenous um, access to quotas? Does it give, gives the, does it give the, the whole exercise a bit of a bad name? Well, it was a, it was a political ploy, I think, uh, whether from Clearwater or from, from the Tamil Grand Bank, but for the life of me, I couldn't figure out how this was going to be a loss for Grand Bank or for the South Coast because it could have very well ended up being uh, processing in Grand Bank. Who knows? Mm-hmm. And uh, we were going to have maybe 100 jobs to the to the region, not take anything away. So any displacement from from uh, Clearwater would have certainly been stepped up by our group. How serious a uh, uh, political issue do you think this is for the Liberals? The Liberals, of course... Already, they're already in bad order with the Halibut because of the enrollment process, and now they have this. So, and to have the Premier of Newfoundland and the Fisheries Minister, a former Liberal MP uh, Jerry Byrne, I'm not happy with them. Uh, uh, do you think it's something they'll feel they have to rectify uh, somehow? Absolutely. Uh, they're the ones. Uh, Terence Rogers, newly elected uh, in that area, so you know his take on this from day one was uh, once he was elected that he he was certainly got hold for Grand Bank to stay in the game. Uh, I don't think anybody really listened to what we were saying in terms of what we wanted to do. And, uh, you know, it's his game to lose, not mine. Mm. And, um, you know, in terms of all the other MPs in in, uh, in 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 Ottawa, you know, not a lot of noise came out of them. We didn't meet with them once, but I know there was, you know, they were entertaining meetings with the Clearwater Group and Terry Paul's group and everybody else. I don't know. I don't under, totally understand why uh, it was so silent in terms of what we want to do and what we, what we could bring to the table. We continue to say day after day that this is about Newfoundland, keeping the resource in Newfoundland and not allowing it to go to Nova Scotia or anywhere else. We, we want to make sure that what we were doing stayed in Newfoundland. And the other part of that, of course, is the adjacency. We're, we're, we're the ones that have the adjacency to treat this. 
I suppose the, I mean, the other thing about this is that it shows the, how organized and um, the, um, the 13 uh, bands in uh, Nova Scotia are, they have their, uh, I guess they have somewhat of a unified group with the, um, with the, uh, with the Grand Council and the various uh, organizations they have there. Whereas in Newfoundland, we're still in the beginning stages. We have uh, coordination on some issues between uh, Mail Begag and, and Halibu, but, but not so much. So I wonder if that put uh, you, the Halibu and the Eno Nation at some disadvantage that uh, we don't have the sort of political structures to, to deal with situations like this. We've had a really, we do have a really good connection with uh, Kalibu Nation, of course. And uh, through this process, we've built them a really good rapport with the Nation, too, as well. And that's the other big loss in all of this, because it's taken us a long time to to partner with the Nation on anything. And this was a, a breakthrough for all of us, I think, and uh, history-making, in a sense. And that's, that's another loss that most people don't see. Mielbege Chief Mazel Joe. Of course, the federal Liberals have been in bad order with Halibu applicants for some time because of the enrollment process. Left high and dry by the Liberal Caucus and by Long Range Mountains MP Goody Hutchings. Like so many First Nations, those fighting for their status are looking to the courts for justice. Now it all rests in the hands of Justice Russell Zinn, who heard the Brake Matter and also the Wells Matters, known as the Mi'kmaq First Nations Assembly case. Those of us in the courtroom listening to questions from Justice Inn to the lawyers had the feeling that his mind is open, that he might rule in favor of Jerry Brake. I spoke to Brake lawyer David Rosenfeld after the hearing. David, I guess uh, it's kind of like hockey. You ask uh, the player after the game, how do you think it went? So uh, how, how do you think it went? Well, the difference in hockey is you know who won or lost in, in hockey, and we don't know who won or lost yet. Yes. But uh, how did it go? I mean, we, we put our best foot forward. I think if you ask uh, Jerry, he's quite proud of, of the submissions we made, and I think that's all that we can do right now. So uh, I, I think it went well. Um, I think the judge was receptive and understood our arguments. I think he was questioning some of the arguments by the other side. But that just for him to understand what each party's arguments are. And he's going to have to go back and decide these, as he mentioned, uh, complex and difficult issues. He's got to decide uh, what would be an appropriate way to get these issues resolved. Now, of course, he, uh, Justice Zinn, also dealt with the, the Wells matters. And would you expect the both decisions to appear at the same time? Uh, or the Wells decision first and yours after? I, I, I don't know. I think that's you know part of the, the concerns about all this process, but um, I don't know. Um, just, as in sat, just as in sat on both. Um, I, I don't know how he's going to make his decisions. If it were me, I'd make the certification decision first, but um, that would be up to him. And I guess it's very hard to, at the end of the matter, he talked about them being... Um, uh, important matters to the people involved, but difficult matters for him to get through and come to a decision on. Of course, um, these matters, um, uh, judicial reviews are meant to be um, uh, timely, um, uh, a timely, speedy process. So, um, uh, can we put any kind of parameters on on when we might expect something from 
just as in by the beginning of the summer, beginning of the fall? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about the wells proceeding and what, what, how long it's going to take me to make a decision there, but the certification decision, which only deals with the, the how this, our Mr. Brake's proceeding uh, is going to go forward, um, that takes some time. Uh, in the past, it's taken uh, weeks, if not months, mm -hmm. uh, to come forward. So uh, summertime, I, I, I would guess, would be a, a, a reasonable expectation for that. I mean, but it could take longer. These are, like, as the judge said, these are difficult issues with a lot of pieces of paper that we put in front of them. Um, so he's got to deal with all that sort of stuff. So mm -hmm. it might take some time. And finally, let me ask you about the uh, the other side's argument, particularly the um, the uh, Canada Attorney uh, General, and um, I guess F and I was on the same wavelength, more or less, that class action is not the preferable way to proceed. That a judicial review would be better. Um, because with a class action, you'll have to have litigation, you'll have to have action. It could be, as the Attorney General was saying, it could be years, they were saying, before these matters would get determined under, uh, uh, through, a, through a class action. And, and what was your, what, just remind us what your answer was to that. Well, I mean, there's a, there's a couple components to that, but, but one is that the judicial review, which, I mean, for, for layman's uh, uh, speak, is, is you're, you're trying to set aside the decisions set aside the agreement and allow people to go back for to get founding membership as if they were being assessed under the 2008 agreement but that doesn't also address what happened in the interim what happens between someone from the time someone was rejected until they're ultimately accepted or found to be accepted uh, the case that mr brake is putting forward is trying to to seek some sort of recourse for that time frame in addition to what we believe are are insulting behavior by the federal government with respect to uh, indigenous persons in putting in place the restrictions that they did in the supplementary agreement. From our perspective, it was uh, purely to, to reduce the number uh, of members in a band so that, they, that there's some uh, monetary uh, savings in that regard. And so that's, that's the allegations. And, and a judicial review doesn't address any of that. Mm. So yes, I, I can understand why they would want to do a judicial review only, meaning, meaning a court decides whether or not the supplement, supplemental agreement is fair within the principles under that judicial review paradigm. We're trying to do that that, and seek recourse for people's um, um, denials. Well, thank you, David, for your work on the case and, um, and for this, and we'll wait for Justice Zim. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you. You can watch video of both the break and the Mifnang cases on our Facebook page facebook.com forward slash Mi'kmaq Matters. We suggest you use earphones or external speakers for better sound quality. And that's it for the show. A reminder that the Halibu Chief and Council meeting is Friday, March 16th in Cornerbrook starting at 9 a.m. See you there. Thanks to Allison Baker for assistance here in the studio. Celebration time used with the permission of Mi'kmaq artist Marcus Goss. Listen to Mi'kmaq Matters on iTunes or CastBox for Android. Tune in on Bay of Islands Radio. In Norris Point at Rocky Harbor, listen on The Voice of Bombay. And in St. John's, catch us on CHMR. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.